Welcome to Briarwood Football Classics. I'm Matthew Forster. I'm the head coach of Briarwood Christian School in Birmingham, Alabama. This season is the 50th season of Briarwood Football, and we're publishing this podcast to remember some great games and moments from the past. Taking us through this process is current BCS Athletic Director, Coach Jay Matthews, and former coach, Coach Mike Forster, who's my father. These longtime friends and coaches are sharing memories with special guests and should be a ton of fun. So take it away, guys. Here's Mike Forster and Jay Matthews, and these are Briarwood Football Classics. So, Mike, you know, we're going today to 1996. The year before, I think we'd gone like seven and five. And then in 96, Coach Ancy talks to Don Woods and decides to <laughs> make a change at that spring we thought was kind of crazy. Yeah. But uh, if you don't mind, yeah. tell us a little bit about that incredible change made Broward football going into that 96 season. Well, yeah, it was going to that two platoon. And um, and the way we did it uh, also, you know, he, he – uh, I remember him – coming in and telling us we were going to do that and just about fast out but then he kind of explained the the process of you know on offense we would have the best quarterback running back wide receiver and the offense would get the first three choices and um the defense would get the next seven for sure um i just remember spring training that spring training yep and it was like, you know, defensively, we were just destroying the offense. Yep. And then it came to the last scrimmage of the, day, of, the, of, the of the week, of the couple of weeks of spring training, the last one. And the offense just kind of took over. And I remember I, was, I came in, I was so mad, you know, but it was it, on the other side, it was just, it was really something good to see. You know, it's, it's so incredible, too. And, and when he first started talking about that, course i was evaluating the 95 season and we're talking about going in spring breaking down those games and what i found was we lost some games in 95 because our really good players were resting on defense and 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 they would give up a, a play that we probably shouldn't have so to put the better players on defense and then see if we could find a way to build an offense around just those skill guys. Mm-hmm. The other thing we we talked about because we talk about the formula being offense gets three, defense gets eleven, and so forth. But we also came to understand that there were some guys that had like an offensive mentality, right, right. and then there were some guys that were had a defensive mentality, right. and we could almost read their personalities, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and then then allowed us then to play against each other in practice, right. So we're playing good versus good. Right. So we we didn't really understand at the time what the difference that was going to make. But if you go back and look, starting in 96, so we go 13 and 1. Mm-hmm. And that led to a run of, uh, you know, if you go from 96 to 2003, 3A to 5A in that span, three state championships, 100 wins to 12 losses and wow. so um you know I, I really do credit uh that and then of course you know once we got to 5a everybody's two platooning but right. particularly right. in those 3a days right. you know some yeah. of those state championship games 
we'd see those teams trying to play both ways, and right. they were going to be in trouble. Right. And then the players allowing us to do it. You know, I remember after that first week, the guys were going up to Coach Yancey and saying, are we really going to do this? And, right. and if you think about it, that was a huge unselfish mm-hmm. act by that team. Of course, those are the right kind of guys, right kind of parents. So we go to 96. Uh, we had no clue that we were going to go undefeated through the regular season. But I think about B.B. Comer, and we're going to bring in Daniel McClurkin and Michael Ketchum yeah. here in just a second. But, so you're from Sylacauga, you know, so you knew the B.B. Right. Comer and what that meant as far as, you know, the number one ranked mm-hmm. team, the way mm-hmm. they played defense, physical play, the athletes right. coming on our field. So – you probably, as much as anyone, could give us a perspective of what, on paper, a mismatch that game was, and mm-hmm. how that ended up being, you know, one of the great wins we've ever had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were, gosh, they were number one uh, coming in, and I think I think they'd won it the year before. I think you're right. Yeah. And um, you know, but one of the things that I, because I'd gone over there and watched some practices while before I came to Briarwood. Um, and I'd, I'd go over there and watch practice every now and then. But remembering it was like, uh, you know, you know the, the offense that they ran was the simplicity of it. They were going to run the football. They were not going to be throwers. Um, and they had great athletes. And mm-hmm. they depended more on their athleticism than anything else. It's not like they were the toughest team to play against from a, you know, chalkboard standpoint. They were tough because of their size, their speed, um, and you know that that um, that was what kind of well, I don't know if we can beat these guys or not. So we're joined now by two great players, so Daniel yep. McClurkin and Michael Ketchum, guys. We've been uh, just reminiscing about what an amazing change took place at Briarwood football, uh, going undefeated, ended up 13-1 in 96. Uh, we've talked a little bit about how Coach Yancey brought in the two-platoon system, uh, and that definitely was part of it. And then that spurred on this long, um, from 1996 to 03, three state championships, uh, 100 wins to 12 losses. So you guys were a foundational part of that leap in success. So, uh, Michael, that was your senior year. Uh, what what do you remember about that and a little bit of your pre-senior uh, year, your Broadwood experience up to that uh, 96 season? Yeah, so, you know, as I remember, uh, 94 and 95, uh, we, we had a lot of players playing both ways. Um, in, in 96, you guys – went a little bit uh, of a different strategy, which again, you mentioned it earlier, I think did propel us. We had uh, Coach Castile come in there, we really uh, put in a lot of work that offseason. We knew we could be good. I don't think anybody imagined how good we would be uh, in that year. Uh, I remember, you know, getting close uh, as teammates with with the starting with the offseason work. Uh, Coach Castile had a group of us that would go into uh, in the morning in, in before yeah. school, get, get workouts in uh, in the morning time. You guys putting that together, help the team gel. You know, I think we put in the work and then uh, what you guys implemented, uh, we really were in a position where we had people that were fresh out there on the field. 
and that uh, I was I was writing down kind of some of the names of teammates earlier and it was just amazing as I was watching some of the videos of how many people that we had that were contributors. And Daniel, it really was unselfish because it meant that some guys were going to get less playing time because they're only playing one side of the ball. Obviously, it opened up some spots for guys to play that might normally be a backup there. But then we talked about not just being fresh, but, you know, practicing against each other and be able to kind of uh, – play a little more scheme than you would if you're trying to learn both sides of the ball but yeah I, I do and and one, one thing there's there's one exception to that rule on the the two platoon and that that that's Michael Ketchum so <laughs> <laughs> it's like I think I think Michael might have been the only guy that was that was really playing both ways uh, pretty much most of the game and and and, um, and on special teams I remember one of the you know, one of the Birmingham news articles on, on Michael was was the 48 minute man man. And going, I want to kind of go back to uh, my seventh grade year. I think that our our class was the first seventh and eighth grade junior high class. I didn't know that. And so I think that that really set us up for our for a great my junior year, Michael's senior year to where we had we had played a lot of football together. And when we moved to the the two platoon system, I have to say I was I was personally a little bit disappointed because I, I love I love defense. <laughs> so I enjoyed that aspect of the game. But it 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 did open up the door, as you say, for a lot of younger guys to play up and to to get that exposure. Sophomores, juniors seniors all playing and pulling together as one team and I think that that really helped solidify a lot of the what, what I call the brother, brotherhood what uh, Ketchum kind of touched on a little bit I think any one of the the teammates that that we played with I think to this day we could pick up the phone and call them that's just kind of part of what uh, what it means to be part of a team and part of being a Briarwood Lion because you guys as coaches help us build something truly special. So Michael, the BB Comer game actually was the eighth game. So we'll get there in just a second, but we kind of breezed through. Uh, Mike and I were talking just, just earlier before you guys came on about, we, we had no clue what to think. I mean, we got, we got to where we're three and oh, four and oh, five and oh, six and oh, and some point <laughs> around the lake, Mike looked at me and goes, well, who's going to beat us? And, so Oak Grove, 31-6, then Chelsea, 27-19, then Jemison, 14-7, Pleasant Grove, 21-7. Uh, that was that rainout game that we ended up playing on the, the Saturday in the muck. And Walker Reneker invented our Rex formation. I don't know if I have time to tell <laughs> that, but he, he lined up wrong and gave us an advantage on the uh, twins over option. And so we, we started naming it Rex and Louie after that. Then uh, West Blockton, 42 nothing. Vincent, 24-6. Winterboro, 35-3. So now we come to the number one team in the state, B.B. Comer. Mike had come from Sylacauga, knew of their reputation. So coming into that game, Michael, uh, anything about the previous games we mentioned that stand out or um, anything leading up to the B.B. Comer game? Yeah, I mean, if, as I think back through it, um, we were rolling. I mean, we were, you know, I don't think it was a, a cockiness, but we were, we were good. We had, 
we were beating people, uh, as you mentioned, I mean, pretty handily. And, and, you know, we were ranked number four at the team at the time. Um, I know we felt as a team that at least the players, we had the better team. Um, if you go back just to those three games prior, uh, I had to look this up and I kind of had to double do a double take, but we beat the, the teams leading up to become 101 to nine. So we had a lot of confidence going into that game. We, they had a couple of, uh, I remember a couple of really key players. They had an outstanding linebacker that I think had signed with Alabama, but we yeah. felt like, uh, you know, the stage was set. We were both undefeated. And if we could get over that, that hump, that it would uh, really set us up to accomplish what at that time, you know, earlier in the season, I don't know if a, a state championship was on our mind. We were more focused around, hey, let's win the area. But at that point, our 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 goals had raised, and and we wanted to to go all the way and and really continue the special season. Yeah, well, I, I did. You mentioned that linebacker. Uh, I think his name was Chris Wheeler. If I'm he not. was he was a stud, and kind of going into that game, uh, I think we had prepared. Maybe maybe you can remember some of the schemes we had around to to work around Chris, but. Um, going back kind of to the beginning of, of the season, I, I think what really helped us in that confidence a lot uh, was, was you guys as, as coaches, all of our coaches really, and that y'all were able to squeeze more out of us than what we ever thought we would ever been capable of. And um, I, think, I think for me, I remember it was kind of the, going into the Winterboro game uh, I think you could, you could, we were, we were getting a lot of pressure because we had this streak and we were winning and coach Matthews, I remember you sitting down with me in the locker room and there before the game and saying, we got this. And that's the boost that I needed. We walked out there first play of that game and called a 99, which is just, just a straight bomb. Um, okay. That was uh, my favorite. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. well, that was my favorite play to pass to throw to you because really all I had to do is just throw the ball up in there and catch him would go get it. Well, but, I have on my notes to, to talk about that, uh, Michael. So we, to this day, mentioned you and then later on the guy by the name of Taylor Hart is two of the greatest 50-50 ball guys. Uh, you know, yeah. we would just throw it with a lot of air. But, I, I mean, do you have any recollection of how many of those jump balls you won that year or through your career? Because it, it was a remarkable deal of how many times you came down with that ball. I have no idea. But I think, you know, I, I definitely always – and this was instilled by, uh, by you and, and Castile on offense and, and you, Coach Matthews, as just uh, – you know, go get it, catch it at its high point. I kind of took pride in is that if I was out there, I was going to be able to out jump or out time my jump. I may not have been the best athlete out there, but I could get to the high point of the ball. And I felt like if it hit my hands, then I could, I could bring it in. And it was just always there and it was just almost hanging there. So it was such easy just to kind of pluck it out of the air. Um, and so we got a pretty good chemistry, I think, uh, on that play. And I know Daniel and I could kind of look at each other when we needed a big play. So, Mike, you know, we, we hold them to 12 points, you know. So, yeah. anything you – I mean, that that was a pretty significant defensive effort for us. Uh, you know, they were just such a one-dimensional football team. And I felt like that's really what we had to had to prepare for and get ready for is that, you know, they were, they were going to run – I think they ran out of the I formation. 
but they were going to be two tight ends or uh, something like that. And, um, you know, and I just remember um, thinking, and we just, you know, it's just going to be a slugfest to win this one. And fortunately, we won it. You know, and I think the way our defense was all year, um, for us, it was a great effort because everybody was running to the ball every single time. You know, when I when I went back and watched that game, there wasn't a whole lot of solo tackles. I mean, it was two, three, four guys there every single time uh, swarming to the ball. So, Daniel, we, we actually – put in two plays specifically for that game. Um, one of them came from Mike Sanders, who joined us the the Pleasant Grove game that year. And, uh, you know, we call it – and for years we called it two choice. Just uh, mm-hmm. brought in some defensive guys. We went unbalanced, heavy package, and then the quarterback just takes a snap from the center and can choose backside A, frontside A, B gap, but normally we're working out to the C gap. And so you had a really big run for a first down. Uh, so you were the first quarterback to run that play that has had an amazing career, even the last year. Uh, we call it a little bit different now in terms of what we call it, but uh, anything you remember about running two choice? Thinking back on that game, obviously, you know, we, we'd, we'd had a couple good first downs through – John McElmore, I mean, just tough fullback, just pounding through and, and breaking through some tackles. Uh, that particular play for me and getting a first down through that, the, a new play that we'd worked on, I remember popping up from that play and going, in my mind going, holy cow, I just got a first down against the number one team in the state. <laughs> so, you know, and and from there, uh, from there on, it was – for me, it was, hey, we got this. The defense that we had where you had them swarming the ball mm-hmm. and for every single play, that's one of the things that I remember and it is evident on any of the tapes that you go back and watch and, and catch them. You mentioned that. That defense, it didn't matter how far away you were from the ball. Every single – all 11 were swarming the ball. And so that was a mentality that – that you brought to that defense that helped us to be aggressive and win ball games. So I'll talk about the second play in just a minute. Uh, but before that, Michael, so you had likely the play of the game uh, on a punt where uh, I don't know if it's just a muff on your part or something, but you ball ends up on the ground, you're the punter. And somehow you not only pick it up and move and get the punt off, but you got off a great punt. And to me, that was just a typical Michael Ketchum moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's those are one of those those plays that, you know, it's been 20-something years and it, you close your eyes and you can remember each little step, right? You know, it's one of those that got burned into your memory. And so Walker Reneker was our long snapper. Um, and Walker, he took extreme pride in, in long snapping. Um, you know, he loved to practice that. We were on the sidelines. He would want to do it. And he was as consistent as it comes. And I don't know what happened on that one. It was the one that, he, you know, sailed a little bit. It hit my fingertips. And, you know, I ran back about – I remember running back about 15 yards. And then when I turned, there was somebody right there on me. And um, didn't really have time to think. It, I mean, I, I, it just – I just made a kick and, and I caught a lucky roll. And uh, I think it ended up dying inside the 10-yard line. And 
and this was one of those games that field position uh, was important. Yeah, I, I don't think that was a lucky punt. I, I mean, <laughs> that thing went forty yards in the air. I mean, that was it was probably your best punt of the year. So, Daniel, we get down to the end of the game, and there was a second play we put in just for that week because of the way that they tend to just play straight man. We called it one evil. Uh, uh, one, because that back then our holes were numbered one to nine right to left, which was a strange system. And then evil just because Thomas Downs was going to come from, from off wing, off the left side, and actually run behind the line and then sneak out in the backside flats. It's a pretty common play nowadays. And then it was a type of a naked, you're faking stretch and then coming backside. So we we had not had a lot of success with that in practice. Right. Well, I remember I remember practicing that. I'd, and there might have been some aspect of, of Chris Wheeler, too, just the athlete that he was trying to hold him through a little bit through the play action. It was another one of those things where – it actually worked, and I thought, holy cow, that actually worked to stop it in the game when it's supposed to happen. But it, it all just kind of clicked and came together. And, uh, you know, just a funny memory about that. Uh, it was such pressure, you know, because we, we had not been in those situations much uh, with so many people there and so much on the line. Coach Yancey got on the headset. He goes, what you got, Coach? And I said, this is a great spot to call one evil. He goes, what? That plan worked in practice. We're not calling that. <laughs> Coach, I'm, it, it's going to work. Got, he goes, all right. One evil. Here we go. Thomas Thomas Downs was another one, just like catching, that if, if, it, if it was touchable, then it was catchable. Yeah. yeah. So if I could get it to where he could touch it, then I knew he was going to catch it. And um, – and he did. And we, we had him playing tailback that year, and then he moved to receiver senior year. So they get two final chances to overcome their one-point deficit. Uh, and then we had the, just the crazy fumble recovery where Ducks Rhoda just pulled it out of the running back's hands, and everybody goes nuts. And then, Michael, finally, the very last play of the game that started the eruption of emotion that we just knocked off number one B.B. Uh, Comer was your last play, high point interception to seal the deal. So, yeah, I remember, uh, you know, I remember the fumble. Um, and I don't think that was an, you know, it, it wasn't by accident. It was something that, you know, every practice, you know, Coach Forster, Coach Castile, they were just talking about turn the ball over, turn the ball over, rip, you know, rip, rip, rip. And our, you know, to the swarming defense, I think uh, Doug Sirota, who stripped that ball, he was playing defensive line. It was a, a screen pass. It was on the other side of the field, 20 yards, and he ran all the way from his defensive end, the hustle to get there to, to make that play. And that just, I think, illustrates how much everybody wanted it, um, you know, how hard the guys were playing out there. Um, and then once that happened, we knew, I mean, we knew they had, a very slim chance with the type of offense that they played that they were going to get all the way down the field on us. And uh, I think they just, they were at that last play, they were just throwing up a prayer. And I just, uh, you know, I, I, 
that was my favorite part. We, I think uh, we, we, I was able to get a lot of interceptions that year, but part of it was our style of play. We had people so pinned down that they had to start throwing stuff up and, and we were able to capitalize on it and turn the ball over. So, so we're going to put out the YouTube uh, highlight tape from that game back in 96. Uh, it's got a little Rocky music in there and music from the rock. It's so all these plays we've talked about are very, very vivid all the way through. I hope the listeners get a chance to see that. But at the end, uh, we put in a little soundbite from David Franks and crew that were very appropriate for capturing that moment. And uh, Mr. Frank said he was talking to Mike Forster at the breakfast that morning and talked about how much you guys love playing football, but more than that, you love one another. Well, I, I mentioned earlier a, a brotherhood. And I really view our teammates, our team, as a brotherhood. And I think we we really did all love each other and we love playing football with each other. Uh, Michael, I, I watch that tape and I see, you know, um, Chris Carver. I see a young uh, Matthew Forrester, number 22. I see John, <laughs> number two. I see Tim Carter, number 30. There's no way we could, you know, Walker Renneker. But when you think about I, those Justin guys. Yeah. Yeah. Dave Cooper. I mean, yeah. you just, you can rattle off, off the names and, and, you know, I think, you know, to what Daniel said about just the, the camaraderie that we have. Uh, yeah, I've been, you know, with my career and job, I've been out of out of state the last seven years. A family recently came back to Birmingham and I saw Daniel out and, and it just, you know, we talked like we didn't skip a beat, right? Like we, we had talked, you know, two days ago. And I just think that's the comfort level that these guys uh, that we have with each other because we went through that experience uh, with each other. We, we trust each other and rely on each other. And it's just a, it's a really, really special bond that I think uh, the guys that went, went through that and played on that team have. I think what's funny is, is we used to have a little uh, part of the team would go meet every week. I think every Wednesday night we go to this place called the deli basket it's it's gone now but i remember the deli basket we go to the deli basket we i think we we dubbed ourselves the north shelby men's club or something like that that's right uh, i had a long uh, we had to end that one at some point uh, yeah it might it might have gone sideways at some point but uh podcast disclaimer here any current player Broward, we will not resurrect the North Shelby men's club. <laughs> it had a good start, but it had a really bad ending to that. Um, so, so what are y'all doing now, Michael? Give us a, a brief update. Uh, I know you said you came back to Birmingham. So good to see you. So tell us what you're doing and how life is going. It's, it's, it's going good. I'm uh, excited to be back here and planting the flag back in Birmingham. Uh, married we got uh, a, a little boy and a little girl a 10 year old girl six-year-old boy uh, married a, a hoover buck yeah. in uh, alabama a crimson tider and uh, and currently uh, went on and from uab uh, played at uab and then got a finance degree got into the investment uh, wealth management business and um, i'm with one of the large financial institutions here, uh, managing uh, 21 advisors, financial advisors throughout Alabama and 
and uh, the Florida Panhandle. So, Daniel, you're uh, one duty is you're the current Briarwood Athletics Booster Club president, uh, but that's not your really claim to fame right now. Give us a update on what you're doing <laughs> right now. Yeah, well, that that is one thing that that does go back to the common bond we have, Coach Matthews. When you when you asked me if I would consider serving in that role, I think you already knew the answer before you asked me because <laughs> there's no way I could ever say no to to Coach Matthews. Nice. After I graduated, I went to Sanford, had the opportunity to play ball there, and, and had the opportunity to play with with Matthew Forrester, which was a lot of fun. Rob Shaw and some other guys uh, that I played with at Briarwood. And, and so that, that bond carried for me through, through college as well. Um, but since then, now I'm, I'm married, I have three boys, twin boys that are six and another boy that's three. So I'm really hoping that, that Matthew sticks around there long enough to be able to put up with my boys when they, when they come through. Uh, and then professionally, I'm in, I'm in commercial real estate lending. I work for a bank that's based out of Texas, Texas Capital Bank. Um, but, but the fun part is still being involved with you guys and being involved with, with Briarwood. You know, once a lion, always a lion. And raising my kids, they all three go to, go to Briarwood. So uh, it's just exciting to, to bring it to this generation of kids and have them experience a lot of the same things that I was able to experience and enjoy. Well, listen, guys, uh, thank you so much for participating in this. We're so thankful for the memories. Uh, what y'all helped build uh, continues to this day. And, you know, one of my prayers is there'll be some current parents and players listen to these and, and understand where some of the legacy comes from that they're involved in. So anyway, want to say thank you and blessings to you well thank you guys for the the opportunity to bring us on this has been a lot of fun good to good to see both y'all and and to see you michael as well and yeah um, it's been a lot of fun listening to, the, to these as well so mike you know there it is that everything that worked out for that win led to that season uh, of course a tough tough loss down at ums right to go 13-1 it's one of the few times I ever really cried after a game. Uh, Tom Breakfield came up and just put his hand on my chest after that game, and I just started pouring tears because, I mean, it was so close to, you know, winning a state championship. And then uh, was that the year you ripped all the uh, signs off the U.S.? <laughs> that was the year. <laughs> <laughs> We're walking off the field, and these little kids had made these signs on the fence, and you just yeah. – Ripped them off. Yeah. Well, I, I think the, the year before, when we played them before, um, I think we played them back in 95, and I think they were ripping our signs off. So I got I got mad that night. So I'm going to rip your signs off now. <laughs> Did you make the kids cry? Did they cry? No, no. They just, they just looked at this weird old guy saying, what's the matter with this guy? Anyway, yeah. Uh, Great memories. Uh, boy, those guys in 96 were fun to watch. But they, they really were. did love playing football, and they yeah. did love each other. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll move on. This has been Briarwood Classics uh, Football Podcast. Find us on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, 
and SoundCloud. And the audience is growing and things are have been fun so far. Mm-hmm.